You could be anywhere doing anything. But you're hanging out with us. And we appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. T is in tacos. S is in sangria. M as in margaritas. Kennedy Miller, where can they find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, underscore Kennedy as in the former president, John F. And the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. All right. All right. The NFL season is almost at its conclusion. Super Bowl 55. Buccaneers. Chiefs in about two weeks, but we're not going to talk about that here in the first segment. We're going to talk about a team that's been out of it damn near since the season began, and that's the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans got a lot of problems, folks. We ain't got no general manager. We don't have a head coach. Previously, we had the head coach trying to be the general manager, and now we have some con man as a general manager, and now Deshaun Watson is pissed off, and he wants out. So, Kennedy Miller, as a Cowboys fan, as much as I make fun of you, and your Dallas Cowboys for being a dysfunctional organization, for having a relentless commitment to mediocrity. How good does it make you feel to see my Houston Texans be a hot mess in that Deshaun Watson apparently wants to bounce? I love it. I, 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 I love it all. Obviously, I'm rooting for Deshaun Watson, African-American quarterback, great quarterback, top five in this league, I believe. If he wants to get out of that terrible franchise in Houston, I don't blame him at all. They have literally done nothing to help this man since his second or third year coming into the league. I mean, they have done the. It was one thing, you know, we kind of criticized James Harden because he wanted out because he was he was basically pouting because at that point, the organization had done everything to try and help him, and he wanted out. This organization in Houston has done nothing to help Deshaun Watson. So nobody should blame him for trying to want out and want the the most out of his career. I mean, good God, man. You trade the man's best receiver away for for what what did you say? What did you say they traded him for, Alex? They traded they traded DeAndre Hopkins for a Section 8 housing voucher and some used condoms. I mean, what you trade away not even not even just his number one receiver, but arguably the best receiver in the National Football League for a backup running back and what a third round pick? Something like that. Not because of on the field production production, but because you have a, a personal issue with who he brings in the locker room or who he hangs out with in his spare time. That the moves that Bill O'Brien made might have set this franchise back so far, especially if they end up trading Deshaun Watson. Because if, if I'm the Texans organization, I would be trying to do whatever he asks. Who who do you want to hire, Deshaun? I'll hire your little league coach if that helps you stay. Because it absolutely, if you trade Deshaun Watson, you don't know when is the next time you'll get another quarterback of that caliber. They don't come every year. When was the last time you had a quarterback before that? Never. You talking about it? Who'd you say? Never. Like the Texans organization. Never. Like the best oh. quarterback the Texans had prior to Deshaun Watson was Matt Schaub. 
There you go. It literally makes no sense. Houston hasn't had a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's caliber since Warren Moon. And you think when you trade this man that you're going to get one next year? That I, it, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, even if there would, there would have been a, a silver lining in this year, if, oh, well, they had a terrible year, they're going to have a, a top three draft pick to be able to draft a young prospect. But you can't do that, can you? Because Bill O'Brien traded said draft pick to get Laramie Tunzel, who's not bad. But let's remember, you traded for him because you needed offensive line help. You needed offensive line help because you didn't want to pay Dwayne Brown. You see how all of this trickles down, and now your franchise quarterback doesn't want to be here. Your franchise is in shambles, and I don't feel bad that the quarterback wants to leave. Get him out of here. I wish you well, Deshaun. If, I, if, if the Cowboys could come get you, we would. Do you want Dakota Prescott, Alex? Kitty, I'm going to tell you this right now. I cannot believe I am being subjected to this from a Dallas Cowboy fan. Laughing at me about another organization's dysfunction. Laughing. I can't believe I have to take this from you. Do you want Dakota Prescott? Let me tell you something. Look, if we traded Dak Prescott for Deshaun Watson, damn it, I'd be done. And I'm going to tell you this. If the Texans have to trade Deshaun Watson at all, I'm done. I'm through. I can't take it anymore. Oh, no. I, 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 I suffered through the years of David Carr. I suffered through Brock Osweiler and Brian Hoyer and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I suffered through that. And we get this man, Deshaun Watson. And my God, he's as good as advertised, maybe even better. And you treat him like dog. Yes, you do. You trade away his best receiver for a three-day-old ham sandwich. And you know what? How everybody's blamed Bill O'Brien, right? It goes deeper than Bill O'Brien. It goes deeper than him. Because the ownership, Cal McNair. Because Bob McNair, he died. And, you know, his son's second in command. His son's taking over. His son doesn't know what's going on. Cal McNair apparently doesn't know his ass from his eyes. (laughs) He doesn't know what's going on. And then, even worse, he has some con man some swindler some second rate joel olstein as a general manager named jack easterby and when i call him second rate joel olstein i'm serious jack easterby's career in sports started as a team chaplain now do you can somebody tell me how good it is to be white that you start off as a team chaplain somewhere and become some character coach and how you parlay that into making football decisions how He doesn't know what he's doing. Apparently, when it's time for him to make a big decision, he prays to God for enlightenment. Now, I'm going to say this. If you pray to God for enlightenment and God tries to enlighten you and then you go trade DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips, I can't trust your spiritual nourishment. I can't trust you actually going to give me a word from God because God tries to enlighten you and you going out here and doing stupid. I can't trust you. At all. Like Kennedy Miller, tell me this. Would our pastor, would Andre J. Lewis, would he ask God for enlightenment and then go trade DeAndre Hopkins for basically nothing? Would he do that? I don't I don't believe so. Yes, it, it, the Houston and then when it comes to this coaching search, 
The Houston Texans have bungled this to no end. And they don't interview Eric Bieniemy at first. Deshaun Watson has to almost kick and scream for them to interview him when Eric Bieniemy is the candidate to hire. And the only reason Eric Bieniemy hasn't been hired, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, is because he's black. Right? Yes, like, sir. They've gone out here and interviewed everybody else. They interviewed damn Josh McCown, who's coaching his son's high school team. Like, what are you doing, you morons? Like, the Houston Texans need to show up with Deshaun Watson with hat in hand. I don't know. I think, you know what? I think Kyle McNair should go listen to some 90s R&B or something like that. Because, you know, when them Negroes lost their woman, they was begging. <laughs> Kyle McNair needs to listen to some Jodeci. Need to be talking about, listen, it's been an hour since you've been gone, and that's too long. So, Deshaun, come back home. He needs to be yeah. talking about, Deshaun, I'm begging, Deshaun, I'm begging, begging, begging. Because I'm dead serious. The only way they can possibly hope to salvage this is hiring the enemy. And that might not be enough to do it. They need to do whatever. You know how them R&B, you know how them dudes who talk about, I cook your food, I pay your rent, I'll do, I, I go to your mama house, I'll do whatever I have to to keep you here because woman, right. you mean that much to me? That's what, the te that's yes, what they need to do. Because I don't know how you get a guy this good and bungle it the way the Texans have, I just—they're uh. wasting it, man. It's it, it's honestly very unfortunate to see because of how good he is and how good of a season he just had with all of the dysfunction around and with not even having a true number one receiver. It's just—it's a shame. And I'm going to ask you this: If he was traded, where would you like to see him go? Honestly, it would be cool to see him in Pittsburgh. It would be cool to see him in New Orleans. It would be cool to see him in San Francisco. Those would be cool places to see him play with competent ownership, with competent leadership. Right. Because he deserves competence. Here's what else, what else is so messed up about this whole thing. Other players from other teams see this playing out. Other potential coaches and other potential personnel decision makers see what's going on here why would they ever want to work here when there's this kind of ignorance and this kind of nonsense and this kind of incompetence sifting through that organization like a virus why would free agents yep. ever want to sign with the texans when they have this when they have this kind of stupidity going on why i mean it, it's it's been reported that you know nobody really wants that head coaching job you can honestly understand why you're not about to have a quarterback and if you do, you're going to have one that doesn't really want to be there. Ownership is, if the management is not qualified for the position, your organization is spiraling. I, 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 I don't know what I've done to deserve this as a fan. You know, I really don't know what I've done. But I'll tell you this. Oh, you picked on you picked on the Cowboys a many a time. I have. So that's one thing you've done. I, look, that's one that's one thing on, you've done. Hold on, hold on. I was I never picked on the Cowboys, okay? I never look the Cowboys did it to themselves. Okay? But I, I must say, if they do the trade trade Deshaun Watson, I'm done. I I I'm done with the Texans. Done. I, I swear for God. I swear <laughs> for God. I'm finished. Like, maybe I'll just make the Steelers my main team. The Steelers have always been my number two team because they always used to play the Steelers in Houston on TV before the Texans got got there. Right? Mm -hmm. I might do that and just make the Steelers number one. Or, you know, I might go join Chiefs Kingdom. You know, my granddaddy, long-suffering Chiefs fan. 
So you're a legacy Chiefs fan, yeah? Damn, just need- like I'm a legacy Cowboy fan. Uh, so look, I might go over there and just and just be where I need to be. That's maybe what I'll do. I don't know. You can't can hear the despair in my voice. It sounds all too familiar, my friend. You know the difference is. What is it? You, you will lie to yourself and tell tell yourself it'll be all better and you'll win 10 or 11 games and make it to the Super Bowl. Let's just see how this offseason turns out, my friend. But I do believe better days are ahead. At least better days will be ahead for one of us. We got to go to break. But we will be right back with more of the Game Plan Podcast on the other side of the break. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter. Alex Goodwin TSM. T is in Tom, S is in Sarah, M as in Mother. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? Underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, underscore Kennedy as in the former President John F. And the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy, underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore. All right. All right. The NFL coaching carousel has essentially come and gone. Somehow, someway, Eric Bieniemy does still not have a job, despite being the most highly qualified candidate to get a head coaching job. So, Kennedy, I'm going to ask you this question. What has been the funniest excuse you've heard for Eric Bieniemy not getting a job so far? I've heard that he's waiting on Andy Reid to retire so he can take over the Chiefs. Um, I've heard that Andy Reid is still the one that calls plays. Uh, I've heard that maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach and we're reading too much into the lines of it. I've heard every excuse in the book. But the main reason why he's not a head coach, we all know, you said in the last segment, because he's African-American. Look at the coordinators that have been under Andy Reid that have gotten head coaching jobs. Matt Nagy, uh, Doug Peterson, Frank Wright. Um, I feel like I'm missing one more. All of these guys under Andy Reid's coaching tree have went on to be head coaches. And for the most part, Doug Peterson just got fired, but they haven't done a bad job as head coaches. Eric Bieniemy was the new offensive coordinator and stepped in and let me see if I can get the, I don't want to mess up any of the numbers that he had, but he took over in 2019. Mm-hmm. And once he took over, they were first in the NFL in yards per game and points scored. And they scored the third most points in a season in NFL history of 565. Pat Mahomes, Became the second quarterback in NFL history along with Peyton Manning and threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in a season. And then the next year, as an offensive coordinator, they won the Super Bowl. Now tell me how this man can't get a head coaching job in the NFL. And another excuse, well, he's really not doing much because he's got Patrick Mahomes. We didn't say that when Adam Gates did nothing with Peyton Manning, and they've given him not one, but two head coaching job when he might be on the cocaine on the job <laughs> on the job he might be doing cocaine we've seen the interviews <laughs> eyes red like brake lights we didn't say that when, when josh mcdaniels 
repeatedly gets rumored for every head coaching job because he's coached who? Tom Brady. Big Bill O'Brien. Big Bill O'Brien. He gets, I mean, even he gets fired from the Texas, gets hired at what? The best college program in the country as their offensive coordinator. Nobody says these things when those offensive coordinators that coach those great quarterbacks get other jobs. Oh, well, they, they weren't doing much because um, they, have, they have great quarterbacks. But you know who I have heard it from? I've heard about Tony Dungy. I've heard about Eric Bieniemy. I've heard about Jim Caldwell. Um, I, I, I can go on and on about the – it, it is such a, a subtle problem, man. I, and I don't understand how so many teams, like like the Chargers, why would you not go after a guy like Eric Bieniemy? Because you clearly have a young stud in Justin Herbert. Why would you not go after an offensive mind like that? Because that's clearly where the game is is heading to. They get these draft, they get these quarterbacks, and they get these offense, these young offensive minds. And they, they, they build a team together with the young quarterbacks. But because of the color of his skin, we see that there's a problem. I'll say this. You made a few points that you know I definitely want to like go over and kind of touch on as well. So a lot of the subjective reasons people have said Eric Bieniemy can't get a job, those factors only matter if people want them to, right? Because I always say subjective yes, subjective measures are used to exclude people rather than include people. So the whole thing about Eric Bieniemy not calling plays, right? That only matters if somebody wants it to matter. Because let's look at look look at it like this: in 2016, Andy Reid's non-play calling offensive coordinator Doug Peterson gets a head coaching job. In 2018, Doug Peterson's non-play calling offensive coordinator Frank Reich. Gets a head coaching job. In 2020, yes, sir. Frank Reich's non-play calling offensive coordinator, Nick Seriani, or you know, whoever the hell that dude is, we ain't never heard of him before and before this week, got the head coaching job. And so people are telling me the reason why Eric Bieniemy, who has been Andy Reid's best offensive coordinator, probably ever, can't get a head coaching job is because he doesn't call plays. I'm calling bullshit. That's, that, that's some bull****. Another thing here. After last summer, when the world was on fire, after George Floyd got choked to death, everybody said they going to do better. We're going, you know, diversify. We're going to do all these other different things. And it was a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of lies. And I knew it was going to be a bunch of lies. I said, yo, these folks selling us wolf tickets. Don't believe it for a second. Right. We're like, we'll see in January when it's time to hire head coaches. We'll see in January when it's time time to hire general managers. We'll see then when it's time to hire coordinators. We'll see. And sure enough, it's still the same as it's always been. And the thing I think people need to realize in situations like this is that the reason why a lot of these places in upper management and not even just in sports in the world in general look the way that they do. The reason why there aren't any minorities, there aren't any women, is because a lot of the people in these institutions, they don't have a problem with not having any black people around. They don't see a problem with not having any women around. They don't see a problem with just a room full of white men. They don't have a problem with that at all because very few of them interact at a substantive level with black people or with Hispanics or with women that are their equals. 
So, like, my graduate, my graduate program, my PhD program, before I got to this program, there hadn't been a black man in this program in more than 15 years. Mm-hmm. And why wasn't there one? Because no one saw a problem with a with every year them them bringing in groups of students that are just white men. White people don't have a problem with a lack of diversity. They just start to feel uncomfortable about it once people start to call them on it. That's all it really is. Speak on it. I, am I tripping? Like help? Like am I just you know talking out of my ass? Help me out, bro. I don't because I don't know. No, you're absolutely right. These people that are in position hire people who they are most comfortable with and they are most comfortable with another white male. That's why, you know, obviously they, they're, they have the Rooney rule where they just have to interview a minority candidate. So yeah, I mean, they're going to bring in the Leslie Frazier's and the Marvin Lewis's and the Jim Caldwell's. But if, if we really had to put our money on who the Texans would hire as their head coach, would I be surprised if they hired Josh McCown? I would not be surprised. Because like you said, if you hire a pastor as your general manager, I can't put anything past you. Speak, look, speaking of Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels got interviewed for a head coaching job. Josh McDaniels is still on the Texans active roster. Josh McDaniels is like the quarterback's coach of his son's high school team. You're telling me. Josh McCown, you mean. Excuse, yes, Josh McCown. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You, you interviewed a high school quarterbacks coach. There is not a black coach alive that's coaching high school that could get a head coaching interview for an NFL team. Like, are you kidding me? There you go. My advisor, he told me this. Exceptional minorities and exceptional women get questioned more than mediocre white people. Yep. He said, he said, that, that's, right just, about that. he said that's just all it is to it you can look at every every facet of american society you can see that right like this doesn't make any sense and i'll say something else right so because people always ask well how do we fix this how do we fix this how do we fix this it isn't our job to fix this the people getting oppressed how am i going to fix the oppression you're supposed to get the people who are doing the oppressing to stop oppressing because if i could have fixed it there you go don't you think i would have done there it a long go. time ago right right like, so I think the only way you change these things, right, is the people who are in these positions of power, they have to care. So a guy like Bruce Arians, right? Have you ever looked at who's on his staff? It's all, I, I want to say it's all minority and it, it's a couple of females as well. Yep. Byron Leftwich, offensive coordinator, black. Ty McNair, running backs coach, black. Harold Goodwin, run game coordinator, black. Defensive coordinator, Todd Bowles, outside linebackers coach, Larry Foote. Keith Armstrong, special team coordinator, black. Like, he's got black people everywhere. He's got women everywhere. He cares. The director of football operations, Shelton Quarles, former Buccaneer great, black. There you go. Like, your little diversity statements don't really mean much of anything to me if you're not walking the walk. There you go. And how much you want to bet? Egg being a man going to finish this thing with a job. How much you want to bet? Houston Texans going to hire some moron. How much you want to bet? Like, they're going to just hire some idiot who they claim interviewed very well. And speaking of that, you see that yep. nonsense Dan Campbell said at the press conference? Absolutely. What did he, what, what did he say again? Because it was just such a, what was so, it? Something about bite their kneecaps off or something like that. They're going to keep biting their kneecaps off. And guess who was his 
offensive coordinator is. Who? His offensive coordinator is Anthony Lynn, the former head coach that just got fired from the Chargers. How is Anthony Lynn he's more qualified than Dan Campbell? I was going to say, speaking of, you know what Dan Campbell yeah. Because remember, everybody says Eric Bieniemy done call no plays. Eric Bieniemy ain't doing much of nothing. Eric Bieniemy, you know, should he really be a head coach? You want to know what Dan Campbell's been doing for the last ten years? Mm-hmm. Two thousand ten, Miami Dolphins coaching intern. Two thousand eleven through two thousand fifteen, yep. tight ends coach. He was the interim coach for Miami for the like the last seven eight games. Apparently, he was. They thought he did a halfway decent job. After that, for the last four years, he's been with the Saints as the assistant to the head coach slash tight ends coach. He ain't never been a yeah. coordinator. He ain't never called to play. But now he's a head coach. And is over a guy that I don't believe should have got fired because they, they lost their starting quarterback. Now, obviously, Justin Herbert's their franchise guy. But they lost their starting quarterback due to medical negligence from the organization. What, after the first game of the year? I think so. And then they had some sort of record losing so many close games within the last two minutes of the game or within the fourth quarter in one year. And now he's an, he's an offensive coordinator for this guy who's trying to bite kneecaps off. Make it make sense, man. You telling me that guy interviewed where a guy talking about biting people's kneecaps off. Like he's a feral dog. That's the, and don't get me started on cliff Kingsbury white privilege, hall of famer cliff Kingsbury. He was 16 games under 500 in big 12 play. Yep. They never finished better than fifth in the conference. And got a head coach. And job. he failed up into a head coaching job. Charlie Strong couldn't do that. Tyrone Willingham wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, Kevin Sumlin wouldn't be able to do that. Turner Gill wouldn't be able to do that. Hell, as good of a coach as Eddie Robinson was, the greatest college football coach of all time, he wouldn't have been able to do that. But Cliff Kingsbury can't because he's white. I agree. We got to leave it right there. But we will be right back with more of the Game Plan Podcast on the other side. Coming up next, Kennedy and I will remember Kobe Bryant on the one-year anniversary of his death. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin. TSM, again, it's on Twitter, at Alex Goodwin, TSM, as in Tangeray, S as in Soy Sauce, M as in Monster. Kennedy Miller, where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore, again, underscore Kennedy, as in the former president, John F. And the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy, underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore. All right. All right. Our final segment of the show here. We're going to switch gears just a bit. We're recording this show on the evening of January 25th. So tomorrow will be the one year anniversary of the death of Kobe and Gigi Bryant. How does it feel knowing, I guess you could say it's been a year since Kobe passed? I mean, it's still pretty surreal, to be honest. I just always assume that. You know, growing up, you see all of the legends from past generations. You see them grow older and still at the games like Bill Russell and Kareem and even the guys that's on TV like Shaq and Charles. Um, And you just always assume that Kobe Bryant was going to be one of those guys. And he was turning into one of those guys, especially as 
Gigi was starting to um, love basketball, and he would take her to games, and he would be at games, and always extend a helping hand to whatever uh, young NBA player wanted to come and train with him in the summer. Just a guy that, honestly, I I felt like I didn't really appreciate him until he was he was gone. I was a LeBron fan, and so it was just natural growing up that you you chose sides and you wanted your guy to win and. I will say that Kobe Bryant was the one guy, you know, in his prime that you were af- like you were the most afraid of if you were rooting for the other team and he had the ball in his hands with two minutes left or a minute left because you knew that he was going to take the shot and more often than not, he was he was going to make the shot or make some amazing play happen. I think for me, what it's like helped me realize is that I don't think we realize how young 40 years old is until somebody's dead. When we were like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you thought 25 was really old. And if we thought 25 was old, then we thought 40, 45 was ancient. Right. Now that I'm 25 years old, I realize 40 is not old at all. Like, yes, sir. 40 years old is your, you, for some people, you're probably just starting to get into your purpose, your true purpose in life possibly right mm-hmm. and i think to even make matters worse is that his daughter died with him what it seemed like he was starting to really enjoy was talking to other players and mentoring other players and talking to anybody that would really listen like he seemed genuinely to enjoy that to enjoy working with a guy like Kawhi or enjoy working with Kyrie irving or jason tatum it almost seemed like more than anything it was it was really just great seeing him kind of age gracefully because you knew how competitive he was, you knew how fiery he was. And then you saw this older version, even his last couple of years in the league, be more mellow and more welcoming, hugging after the game. And like you said, just reaching out to all these younger players. And then he was doing other things, he was writing children's books and, you know, directing, you know, short films and all of this stuff. And you just had to sit back and like, wow, Kobe's like, really transitioning into this next level of who he who he really is because literally i mean it's kind of like lebron he was in the spotlight since he was like 17 years old and no he wasn't perfect and yeah he could have been aloof and kind of standoffish but you started you you literally witnessed the entire maturation of this man and so you thought that like for me i i just always pictured him just kind of being the bill russell just always there at the at the games and always seeing his face and uh for him to pass away that tragically and, and for Gigi too um it was just it was a it was a sad day and probably um the most that a celebrity death has ever really like affected me I can definitely agree I'll say this it's been the few documentaries of things I've watched that he sat for before he died it was weird to see him on screen Right. So I have a few older cousins that talk to me all the time. They say, you know, they can't listen to Biggie or Tupac because Mm -hmm. it's weird to listen to them because they're dead. And watching Kobe in the last dance or or seeing Kobe, he sat for Tony Parker's documentary that's on Netflix now. And to see Mm -hmm. him one time, he went to go speak at the University of Alabama because Nick Saban wanted him to talk to the team. It's weird to watch that video now because he's gone. Yeah, like it felt like it was just a surreal moment. You're like, 
for a second you're watching him and you're hearing him talk. And then you realize, oh, wow, he's gone. Kobe's gone. So I guess my next question I have for you before we close this bad boy out is what is your favorite Kobe memory, your favorite Kobe story you've heard in the last year or so? I just I, I recently read a book about, uh, I think it was called The Three Ring Dynasty. It came out this past September about the uh, Shaq and Kobe three-peat. Um, and it... <laughs> Honestly, to be honest, most of the book wasn't that. Uh, it didn't have a lot of nice things to say about Kobe, but it was just it was it was a bunch of crazy stories that only Kobe, you know, everybody from the team invites him to dinners. He's not there, but then he'll show up at the restaurant sitting by himself, reading like the Art of War by himself, while everybody else is just at the team dinner. He gets married. None of his teammates are invited. <laughs> you know, it's just a bunch of only Kobe, only Kobe stories. He took everything as a competition. Anybody that came in a training camp that played the same position, they weren't going to take Kobe's spot. But in his mind, they were gunning for him. And he had to prove day in and day out why he should be the number one guy and why he had to go out and, and attack you and kill you. And so that's what's always stuck to me is – he really did live by what he called a, a mama mentality. You know what I just thought about? I remember a few years ago, Derek Fisher told a story about how he never he had he hadn't gone to Kobe's house until they were both retired. And mm-hmm. I'll say this, knowing what we know about Derek Fisher, it was smart <laughs> not to let Derek Fisher come by the house. And I, think about how crazy that is. Because Derek Fisher was like universally known as like one of Kobe's closest friends on those teams. Never went over there. I mean, don't when Derek Fisher, AKA Mr. Steal Your Girl. <laughs> Listen, I might not have, look, maybe Kobe knew something early that Matt Barnes didn't. Right. That's all I'm going to say. And with that, we are out of time here on the game plan podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Kennedy Miller, thank you once again for hanging out with me, my man. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me back home. Let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter once again. Um, Follow me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Uh, Again, underscore Kennedy, as in the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy, and the former president, John F. Underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. You went out of of order that time. Normally you go Mr. John I sure did. I sure did. I'm, I'm about to start adding more to it. I know I always say it, but I'm about to start switching it up. You know, you can go Cortez, Kennedy, you know. I've, I've gone Cortez a couple of times. I, I could go Miller like Reggie. I like that one. That was good. There you go. There you go. Just some different things I might throw in. I feel you. I feel you. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin, TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin, TSM. That's T as in Taka, S as in Saki, M. As in Margarita. For Kennedy Miller and Alex Goodwin, this has been the Game Plan Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.